0: before I before I begin tonight I wanted to uh, before I begin sharing my stray thoughts I wanted to honor a thought or maybe I even said something about it I wanted to open the floor the room to any uh, questions that you might have about your practice your any questions about the teachings any any topics that you'd like me to explore, and just like you to, to feel free to ask any questions because it will likely be of some benefit to somebody else just to have the question put out in the room, so don't be bashful. Anybody, please. So did everyone hear his comment? He has a friend who's close to dying, but he's in, in uh, he's deeply in conflict with that fact. And and he, what's your name? David's wanting to help him or say something to him. You know, mostly, uh, mostly, it's best not to say anything to anybody unless they ask you, unless they want help from you. Otherwise, it's experienced as an attack. For the most part. But if you do, if it's clear that your friend wants your support, then uh, then what are you inclined to say? Do you have any inclinations? Because I have a feeling you know just what to say. You'd like to tell him that everything is going to be okay. Don't know if you believe it or so. So that probably wouldn't be the best thing to say. <laughs> Well, I think that I think in terms of keeping with what's actually happening. See, part of our conflict is that we're um, we're our sense of well-being is so much associated with what's next, what will happen, and and it, it is the very it's the very focus on what will happen that makes us to a great degree, I mean, probably 99% of our mental suffering is be, is because in one way or another we're in conflict with how it is. We're in conflict with the present moment. And that's a lot of what uh, generates the necessity to figure out whether things will be okay next. So the You know, central to the Buddha's teaching, you know, to put it very simply, is what what gives us mental suffering is wanting things to be different than the way they are and then not knowing whether they will be. But the not wanting things to, to but the wanting things to be different than the way they are right now is what keeps us from finding peace with life, because reality is is what's happening. So if you're, not, if you're in conflict with reality, you can't be happy. You cannot be happy if you're fighting with how things are. So first and foremost, you have to find, you have to accept how it is. I have no idea what will happen next. That's what you have to accept too. So I think it's wise to say everything will be all right. Or I mean, I think it's wise not to say everything will be all right because we don't know. We don't know what will happen, but we do know. Yeah, this uh, this life is impermanent, and you're looks like you're you have to make peace with that fact. And I think if you really make peace with that fact, then the, whatever happens next is less relevant. So all of our fixation on what's going to happen, our worries, our hopes, it all comes down to being uh, contentious being in conflict with reality now. Otherwise, it's not so important how things turn out. We wouldn't be so dependent on it. So this is really, I'm just sharing Buddha 101. Everybody who's born, the definition of birth, leading cause of death, leading cause of all kinds of stress, what turns that stress into a lot of mental suffering, what even turns our pleasure into mental suffering is, uh, is wanting it to last or when you're having a lot of anxiety and fearful about what's going to happen. When it, the most helpful thing is when people around you are not feeling anxious about you. If if they're feeling centered and okay, it's easier. It, you feel better. Thank you. Yeah. So I just want to continue a little bit with the um, with the Buddha. You know, he said, "This is reality," and the the prescription for dealing with it is welcome it. Open to it. Don't run from it. And the second truth that he went on to say is what makes it really hard is our tendency to want it to be different and to be in some way in continual pursuit of something other than what's happening. We take it for granted that that's what what we're supposed to do. But it's natural to want to be happy but there is always the sense that someday we'll be happy. And as I think most, I've read a lot here, the words of, uh, of Eckhart Tolle where he says, where somebody asks him the questions, or says, I don't think I'll ever be free of my problems. And he says, you're right. Because, in fact, you are right now. There is no salvation in time. So even the idea that I have problems, the personality view that forms around, I've got a lot of stuff to work out, even that is a kind of delusion. Even that is a way of coloring the present moment as some place I need to get through on my way to some place that will be better. And it turns the present moment into a place of conflict or obstacle or just a pass through, and and without knowing it, innocently in search for happiness, we block ourselves to that source of, of relief, which is not being anxious about how things are, just opening to it. So I think um, I think you know what to do. Please, hi Marissa. Thanks for uh, identifying yourself. Now I can finally what? Think. Think. Oh, now I can finally think. <laughs> Here let me um because I this is being recorded, I want other people to say you say I'm you know, my life is so busy I'm always doing one thing after another and I'm and then I'm so happy to sit down and and uh, stop for a moment and then it comes to your mind that says, Now I can think. And then the thought comes, I shouldn't be thinking. I, I want to feel what's happening. The tendency to want to process. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What is meditation anyway? <laughs> oh, well, I want to tie this into the the Buddha didn't stop with uh, the cause of our mental distress. He said there's also an end to it. There is a cessation of being in conflict with reality. There's a passing away of that. And there is a, a path that you can create with your life that will help you, help release you from being in stress all the time, to being in a constant state of stress. And that path has basically three main parts to it. And it is, it's really the path to, to being, of calming that restless mind that you talked about. So you could call the whole thing calming the restless mind because all of us want to have a calm and restful mind be able to abide uh, peacefully in the present really enjoy our life right everybody wants it yet how I have to I always ask the question how how much of our life is really focused on that deep wish how much where does it fit in our hierarchy of uh, of things that we dwell on and how many how much of the time are we making excuses about why we can't do that now and putting it off and then and then assuming we can't be happy happy can't be happy now so it's we we make our own bed in a way but he says there's basically three things if you really get serious about this and it's basically starts with what he called puri- purifying your actions, purity of action. It means you, if you want to be, you want to live here calmly. It, not just meditate to start with. That's this answer. It, it is for you, but it's for everybody. I think. Don't just don't just meditate, because if you're still making a mess of, <laughs> you're still so busy spinning your wheels, waiting for the waiting for Godot spinning your wheels uh, you know running roughshod over your present moments by saying things that you regret by feeding your wanting mind every time some desire goes in your mind by by um, by being completely out of touch with nature with with your environment abusing your your um, your environment and Not caring about the people nearest and dearest to you, and all you know, just not being sensitive. Clean all that, begin to clean all that up. Take care with your speech, be harmonious in your speech, be harmonious in your livelihood, be harmonious in your actions. Don't steal, don't cheat, don't cloud your mind with intoxicants. Slow down a little bit. So it's really a whole life thing. It's not just because if you if you don't if you don't clean all that up when you sit down the way one person put it is that it's if you don't have a certain purity in your action, non-harming in your actions, a, a harmonious speech and livelihood, something that resonates with your heart that doesn't cause harm. If you don't have any of those things to try to meditate is like trying to row a boat without untying it from the dock. It just you we just basically spin. There's no rest. So it so it involves purifying our actions, speech, action, uh, livelihood. That's the parts of the Eightfold Path. Second part is then purifying our mind. If we if simultaneously we're trying to clear the way so that we can have a an enjoyable sitting. Really enjoy the present moment. We've got to orient our life, every single moment, as much as possible, orient it toward here, toward now. We want to gather our attention. The word that the Buddha uses is vitaka, gathering, the aiming of our attention. Bring your mind and body together. Bring it together. Just what you did when you started. Bring your attention together with your body. And if you do that and you keep bringing it together, bring your mind into your body, your body into your mind, and you sustain that, you start to be more in touch with reality. Because reality is only here. Everything else is imaginary. And the more you do that, the more you plug in, you start to feel a little brightness, a little more sense of presence. And Then you want to be here a little more. Not only will you feel a little brightness, you'll actually feel a little rapture, a little calm, a little smoothness, a little sense of, wow, what have I been missing? And hopefully you do it enough where you become, your constitution starts to need it a little bit, where it just says, yeah, I don't want anything that opposes that. I don't want to mess up my life anymore by being so obsessed by complications, proliferations, drama, uh, be so obsessed with tomorrow and yesterday that I miss this precious uh, calm abiding in the present moment. So that's the. So you got to keep aiming and sustaining because if you do that, then you get you get a little a sense of of rapture, of calm, of, of contentment, and a sense of one-pointedness. A sense of you start to feel like you're in that single point that's touching everything. Everything's touching you, and you're touching everything. And that's really true about all of us at all times, but we don't feel that, do we? You feel like you're touching and being touched by life in every moment? How much? How, how often are we actually in sync in that way we're not so much so we purify our mind and what does it mean to have purity of mind it means your mind is not so caught up in what i and wanting what i don't have it's not caught up in wanting in, in not wanting what i do have it's not caught up in restlessness and worry and agitation it's not caught up in regret and guilt all those what are called hindrances that actually make it harder to sit still. So we're still talking about what makes it hard to sit still. So if you keep aiming and sustaining, find that center point here, you get so many benefits. You get a tremendous relief from that tormenting mind, the chileses, the torments. But that's not enough to really give us a a liberating sense of contentment to really be able to enjoy our practice in an ongoing way. It's really good to start by getting here. But last, if you have purity of mind, then it's possible to fulfill the last part of his prescription for being able to enjoy your practice. And that was what he called purification of view. What is purification of view? The well, first part of the view is life has problems <laughs> connected to it, it has challenges and and the way to find peaceful sittings, the way to find peace is to not be fighting with it. Just again for your friend. To understand the four noble truths, that there's an end to your struggle and it's all it's up to you. It's in your mind. It's not you gotta stop blaming everybody. Stop being a victim. No victims, only volunteers, as one teacher put it. That's not an absolute statement. There are plenty of victims in this world, and I don't want to be Pollyannish, but in the many ways that we create mental suffering, we create ourselves as victims when really we're just volunteering our well-being and attributing it to everything and everybody. And there's an end to doing that, and... And there's a, there's a way you can all do it. So that's wise view. But the other thing is purity of view is seeing that the way that the drama that you create in your mind is not reality. That's not reality. Reality is very simple. I think I talked about it last week. In the scene, there's just what's seen. In the heard, just what's heard. Felt, just what's felt. Smelled, just what's smelled. Tasted, thought. Thought. That's all. It's life is very simple and in the midst of all of our dramas and our situations we lose touch with the with the the all then we we're not in touch with reality and we need that we need reality. Reality is what makes the present vital and alive and compelling so different from past and future which is what our, most of our dramas are. But we are devoted we tend to be devoted to the view, the thoughts and versions of life that play in our mind that say, that completely repeat over and over and over again all the reasons why I can't be happy now. And it is just, it's delusion. Happiness is your nature. I don't mean happiness as a good mood. I mean peace. So, you, so first, of course, when we sit, we're going to see the effects of all the ways that we live, all the ways that we run from silence, all the ways that we believe that this present moment is not the place for relief, and, uh, and come up with all the reasons why I can't be happy now. Morbidly grasp all of our con- the convictions about how things are not okay. When there's no evidence for it, in real time. So that, that if you can purify your view to see the difference between your version of reality and reality itself, then uh, then you can actually meditate. No, I'm saying you can meditate and it'll help you see see through the illusion. Because really the, the inability to have a calm abiding in this present moment has to do with... Um, with these just letting these poisons play through our mind of greed of wanting things to be different of hatred of blaming everybody and delusion personalizing it all and letting it build a case of being the one uh, to whom happiness cannot be found in this moment that I'm the one who happiness has to wait for and even when we have in a, in rarefied states of of uh, meditation when you're on the verge of your heart opening—it's amazing how subtle the the seeking mind that thinks that freedom is is next. I think some of you have heard me tell this story before, but it, ha- it the subtle way that we keep turning the present into some place that's not the source of freedom. I'll t- the story happened to me. I went to to India to visit a teacher. And I wanted nothing, nothing, nothing in this world more than freedom. It seemed like the most wholesome desire. I was such a seeker. I was a seeker who in the middle of my daily life cared less about, couldn't care less about anything except turning everything into, li- into liberation. And I was so on fire to be liberated. But yet I knew I had read all the suttas. I'd read all the discourses. And I knew that the seeker and that which is being sought are the same. So I knew I was seeking myself. But the conviction was still, not now. And uh, so I went to see this teacher. And I said to him, you know, I, this was our first conversation. It was kind of mind-blowing. I said, I know that the seeker and the sought are one. So you think, I know, oh yeah, it's all about right here. Just coming back to myself. I know that the seeker and the sought are one, but I've come halfway around the the world to see you, so I must want something from you. And he looks at me and he says, remove the seeker and remove the sought. Little did I know there was this little whole identity of the seeker bound in time. Does this make sense? Well, the next thing I know because whatever it was, my whole conventional view of the seeker going someplace. The next thing I knew, I went completely unconscious. It there was a total suspension of my ordinary view of myself. The next thing I knew, this from the bottom of the universe, from somewhere else, this laughter came. Just this guttural laugh that woke me up, and then I proceeded to have one of those moments where everything dissolves and the whole, all the veils of whatever—I I don't even know how to talk about it—but it was so obvious that even, even meditatively, we can postpone through holding these identities of that even the one that seeker and the sought was a way of saying I can't be happy now. So notice whatever way you postpone being free now, whatever way you put yourself, even in the in a subtle way, in conflict with reality. What story of why you can't be happy now in this very instant grows? Or what what is your version of that story right now? So this is all the this is basically Dharma one oh one. Uh, to have a calm abiding, to have a good sitting, you just stop looking elsewhere. Stop being anybody in particular. Stop even being a seeker. Stop being a Buddhist or a person, even a man, woman. Just let it all go when you come here. And that's you know, if we're not used to doing that, it's 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 a bumping landing. <laughs> it's, I just led a retreat in the, in up in the prairies of uh, Saskatchewan this last week. And just going through few you know, several days of, of practice, the first day and it reminds me of every retreat, first day, because everybody is busy like you describe yourself. Marissa, right? Everybody's just so busy and and then it's it is it's like a torture test to settle in. It's like a swamp. People are exhausted there bodies are all wrecked you'd think that it would become i I want for everyone for that to be the inspiration to keep going but the tendency is is to run from it so it's very important that you just embrace that restlessness and the pain and you just keep going keep going just use everything on behalf of of stepping off the wheel of time and just being here even your pain let it bring you here even your sorrow, even your confusion, bring it here. Anyway, that's a long answer to a short question. Anybody else? Please. Could you speak? A, maybe stand up so I can really hear you. Hi, Tyler. Yes you speak that's you speak really about our conditioning our conditioning from from beginningless time is to run from things that are unpleasant grab onto things that are pleasant both of those are a form of grasping both of those keep us thinking that our relief will be somewhere else at some other time so they so the practice is to as much as we are able and it's a training it's a retraining is to Take whatever it is that's happening, and even if you've, for, for your whole lifetime, you've turned away from anxiety, turn toward it. And for one moment at a time, don't worry about the ones you missed. All the ones that you, because it's easy to say, oh my God, I've been running from this, I've been noodling, you just described how you've been lost in your thought, and you probably just made a whole new identity in your mind, that somebody who's not a very good meditator, who's been doing it all wrong. Am I wrong or no? Yeah. So instead, just use that moment as an opportunity to let me just see what anxiety is like for a moment. Don't feel like you have to stay with it too long. Just you'll you'll see there's a kind of magic in just knowing this is anxiety. And uh, if you if it's if it feels too much, you can always put your attention on something else that's immediate. Because your whole environment is not anxious. Because your, your, your foot touching the floor is likely not anxious. And so if you can't be completely with anxiety, feel the foot touching, come back to the anxiety, do a little bit of both. And yeah, that's the cure. The cure, as Rumi put it, the cure for pain is in the pain. said good and bad are mixed in your life. If you don't have both, you're not one of us. So we have to get. We have to. If we want to live here, we have to make space for pain as well as pleasure. And we don't make much space for pleasure either. We we hold so tight, grab onto it, and then and then of course then fear the loss of it. And there's all kinds of ways that there's grasping and pushing away, and and that's what makes being in the present moment hard to bear. Please. Can you be stuck in pain? Yes, you can be stuck in the question. Can you be stuck in pain? My first response, it's it's something I'd want to hear more about What your where your question comes from. You know people who it seems to you like that and are stuck in pain. Yes, I think we do. As I was saying before, I think we become uh, identified with our pain body. It gives us a sense of security even. It gives a way of defining ourselves. We don't, and we're a little bit, very often, a little afraid to find out who would we be without our pain body, without our identity of the as, as the sufferer. But really that finding out is only a split second, a half breath away. The identity of victim, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, we can't resolve anybody else's tendencies, only our own. You let go of that identity. Yeah, that you feel good about. That's beautiful. Yes. But you can get stuck in pain as it comes from uh, from the natural or innocent tendency to make an identity or a story about the pain. Once it's a, once you have a story about your pain, and you live in that story, it's always um, the present moment's always problematic. Then busyness is an identity too. I, yeah, I think that's one of the greatest sources of pride. When you know, as Amy Cross Rosenthal in her little editorial, she says, "Have you been?" good busy my time is filled my phone doesn't stop ringing and i'm and you therefore should think well of me and she goes on to say have people always been this busy did cavemen think they were busy too what's that you're never busy so that's not your identity so are you identified with being not busy no okay very good beautiful please Doing so well coming off of retreat a few months ago. You've fallen off the wagon. How do you renew your practice if you've fallen off the wagon? Well, I think you're renewing it tonight, right here. Don't make excuses. Don't build a story about the one who's fallen off the wagon. Just be mindful. Don't be a good bit yogi or bad yogi just be mindful just just from the moment you wake up in the morning resolve to be mindful it's it don't worry so much about the form it's great if you sit it's great if you come to sangha it's great if you have support it's great if you read dharma all that stuff is great but the most important thing is to just be in touch with nature and if you're not then find out why you're not why are you why are you why did it why did you Fall off the wagon. Yeah, it's easy to fall back into busy. Yeah. So it's... Um, I'm not sympathetic. No, I'm just kidding. I am sympathetic because it's, it's, it is it's our human tendency. But you, we just have to stop making excuses and, and just practice. Just practice. Practice just being present. You have to really decide what you want with your this precious life the Buddha recommended that you reflect every day on the on the uh, on that uh, the inevitability of of sickness old age and death the uncertainty of the time the fact that you reap whatever you sow that every action produces results and that you are the heir of whatever you do with your mind your your body and um and to use it to create a little urgency, so that you're not just being drifting along. So I hope you do that. The Tibetans would suggest that you that you reflect every day on the preciousness of this opportunity to be alive, and as a human being, to appreciate that that can ha- that can end in an instant. It can pass very quickly, and. To learn how to deal with conditions that are in a constant state of change, to reflect every day on impermanence, and to uh, to reflect every day, just like the Buddha said, that you're the heir of your karma. That every that your actions produce results, and that's to me is a very positive message that you can really plant seeds and they'll they'll bear fruit. And if you plant the seed of delusion and obliviousness, that's what you get. It's reliable. It's the most reliable universal laws that your actions produce results. And then last, that there's a, it's really defective to keep spinning your wheels. It's really, there's a defect in this whole loop that we get into, the waiting for happiness at, uh, at, to, for a future in the future that never arrives because time's always now, and that we just get ourselves in this whole loop, again, the same loop over and over of why I can't be happy now. So to reflect on those things every day, and that tends to bring a little urgency, and maybe you'll stay with it. You may not be as bad a yogi as you think. You have bright face. You just practice. Okay, any last comments, questions? Please, last one. Well, yeah, she wanted me to talk about the pain body and it's how to relieve it, et cetera, how to work with it. I actually don't like to use the language of pain body, even though it's useful for the sake of conversation, but I think rather for how to come into contact to how we actually experience things moment to moment. We don't experience the pain body, we experience pain. We experience Resistance. we experience fear, we experience anxiety, We experience, but we don't all experience it at once as one big monolithic thing. We experience a changing variety of different, sometimes pleasurable, sometimes painful things. So you try to take things in there in the moment that they're happening. And so you don't really, in the moment of feeling pain, you're not feeling a pain body. That's just a description. You're feeling whatever the version is of mental state or physical state. And, In feeling it in that very immediate way, you're really only required to feel a moment's worth. There's just a moment. You can do that. It's only the story of having to accommodate my whole pain body that makes it really hard. But the immediate moment, okay, I can feel that aching, aching, stabbing. Oh, anxiety. Oh, fear, or whatever it is. Can can I do a moment's worth, and then another moment's worth, and then another moment's worth, and then. And when I can't experience things, I try to find something in my environment that I can, that can keep me here, so that it might. Because my tendency is to then make a whole story, to make a whole narrative about my pain, and then I, then I've lost touch again, and I'm back in the pain body, which is imaginary. But pain's not imaginary. It's just it's more immediate. I hope that doesn't that makes a little sense. In the meantime, uh, this pain body's got to go to sleep. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I want to make a couple announcements, then we'll do a little sharing of blessings. Uh, first announcement is that for the next two Tuesdays, I will not be here. However, next Tuesday, you will be uh, get you will be blessed by the presence of Anushka. Fernanda Poli who is a marvelous marvelous teacher master of metaphor great human being very inspiring and she will be here sharing her unique expression of the dharma she's one of this she's on the Spirit Rock teacher council she when Eugene Cash my good buddy who had the head injury who leads San Francisco Insight Group when he went down he's now in great in much better shape and really he's back on the teacher seat but when he went down his whole community chose Anushka to be their number one substitute for him because they so appreciated her her dharma transmission her presence so please take advantage of Anushka come next Tuesday the following week i'm not absolutely sure yet but you will be you will get the notice on the uh, listserv, on the email who will be here the next week And I'm trying to get um, Yvonne Ginsberg, who people tend to, uh, she's been my number one sub for the last 15 years, I think. So I think she's always great and amazing storyteller and wide knowledge base and great dharma. So anyway, one of those, uh, somebody will be here the following week, but next week is Anushka. So please come keep offering your Donna in the form of your presence here. And uh, of course, support her as well. Please. And I will, that's the next thing on my list. I will also, this Saturday, be doing the uh, half day retreat for anyone who wants to come, but it was originally uh, imagined for the support of those who are, will be completing their 60 day rains retreat. And we will do a little check in about the rains. And how it's been for you, if you've been doing that. But for the most part, we'll just sit and walk and be together right in the center of San Francisco. The last one was really fun. So please come, Happiness Institute. Are there still flyers out? Still flyers in the back. uh, Saturday morning from 9 to 1. Four hours together. It's very cool doing intensive practice right in the middle of the city. So thank you in advance for... Supporting that and supporting each other. Uh, finally, um, just a reminder that uh, everything that's offered here, beside y- including your presence, is is Donna. It's offered freely. Uh, we offer the space freely, but in order for us to keep meeting here, or for me to keep doing this, we have to. It's got to be an inter. A mutually dependent process where you offer support for the room rental, teacher Donna, and um, and just in that spirit that has gone on for twenty five hundred years, that the teachings have always always been offered freely, and the um, and the um, yeah because they're considered priceless, and so they're accessible to everyone. But there's always been this mutually dependent relationship. So thank you in advance for your generosity, as always. Lots of different ways to give in the basket, to the church, tax deductible, on the website, all the, you know, you know the whole thing. Service directory. And last, Madison has a quick announcement. April 1st, housing for Madison. Madison please see Madison. She needs a a room. And uh, so thanks for your practice. Sorry to keep you so long. And I will look forward to seeing you in three weeks. And don't miss a single moment. Don't let your mind leave your body. Don't let your body leave your mind. Thank you.